FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 268 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your snicked. host. Yes, that's right. Oh, it's been too long. <laughs> I just got, I got, I got, well, let me introduce our, our, our host, but I just saw uh, the corner of a host's head for a second. <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't know why. My phone, my technology doesn't like me anymore. <laughs> I literally it was like one of your curls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we'll, we'll say who it is in just a second. But um, <laughs> anyway, um, we have a ton of, of comics to talk about today. But of course, I'm your host, Jason Venable, joined once again by the painfully pleasant Georgie V. And out of the ashes of... I guess an old computer. <laughs> and into the new year, we have the return of Phoenix Dan. Hey, guys. Hello. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody. It's good to, good to talk to you guys again. Um, yeah. It's been a while, but... It's been uh, a while. You know, yeah. It's, it's, it, and because it's been a while, we've got 13 books to get, get through, so yeah. it's going to be... Uh, it's a lot to talk about. It's going to be a marathon of a, of a podcast a little bit. Um, yeah, anything I want to I wanna hit real fast before we dive into the books? Anything either going on or, or in the news I want to want to mention? I, I modded my SNES Classic, and I put a bunch of other games on there. So I've been playing uh, Turtles in Time like crazy. Nice. I, yeah, that's been my joy. So I guess I uh, should say Cowabunga. Yeah. <laughs> they say that after every level. <laughs> I love that. Nice. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, yeah, I don't really have, have much to say. I think a lot of the stuff will kind of come up organically as we talk about these books. Um, but, yeah. So y'all want to wanna dive right in? Let's do it. Okay, so we're going to start off with uh, Phoenix Resurrection, and we have the first three issues. So here was my kind of thought, guys, and I probably should have talked about this off air, but hey, you can get what you pay for. <laughs> um, I was thinking we could do the three synopsises with credits first, and then kind of talk about the whole thing, and then give our grades for the books. Does that sound all right to you guys? Let's go for it. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, I will start off with number one. Um, where, where are the credits of this bad boy? Here we are. Chapter one, Frustrate the Sun. Written by Matthew Rosenberg. Penciled by Lionel Francis Yu. Inked by Jerry Allen Gian. Colors by Rochelle Rosenberg. Letters by VCs Travis Lanham. And, of course, we have Jay Bowen and Anthony Gambino, the Marvel House graphic designers. And um, the cover on this one is by you and Sonny Go. Um, the cover is not bad. It's just kind of fair. Uh, we have Dark Phoenix 
with fire and the X-Men mostly gold team burning in the flames. Um, the only thing kind of had to say about it is I, I kind of thought we were past the uh, women's costume buried into their belly button phase, but, you know, use bringing that back um, on two two out of these covers. <laughs> so At least the cover is like a visual representation of how I feel about gold. Um, so. It's like burn it with fire. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, yeah. It was funny. I, a little comparison to gold as we talked through some of this book, but um, in, in a different kind of interesting way. But um, we start off in Annandale on Hudson, which is a weird name for a town in New York. Um, there's some kids riding a bike. They found a, they find a dead girl who finds a dead bird who has black eyes who brings people to life, but then they're left kind of floating in the air with bloody noses. Um, our X-Men gold team shows up, uh, try to figure out what's going on. Um, let's see, what's the, the quick version? They call everybody together, get everybody in the same room, all the X-Men. Um, you have Warpath drinking a not Starbucks. Uh, we have all our Wolverines. Uh, we have Old Man Logan and Laura Wolverine in there. Uh, even Beast hops along. Her and Kitty kind of make a plan. They split everybody into teams to check out these possibly Phoenix-related phenomenons. Now, everyone's really kind of hesitant to say the word Phoenix but or Gene, but they all kind of have that in the back of their minds. So we have Nightcrawler, Colossus, Kitty, Magic Storm, Jubilee, um... Oh, well, that's one thing we probably ought to mention. Uh, I don't know if this is before or after Jubilee loses her vampire and be- gets her fireworks. It's before. Right? Before, okay. Oh, yeah, that's right. They say something about her being a vampire. That's right. Um, so, yeah, they go to a former Hellfire Club establishment. Um, the X-Men blue team plus Rogue goes to Mont St. Francis. And then our Weapon X team plus Psylocke go to the North Pole. Oh, and plus uh, Wolverine. Laura, she joins that team as well. Um, our Hellfire people fight some Hellfire goons. Our X-Men Blue team fights this guy I don't remember. who looks a lot like the bad guy from X-Men Gold. Um, Jubilee bites a guy's neck. Um, so definitely still a full vampire. Um, our North Pole team fights a vision of young man Logan, which uh, Georgie pointed out, someone's listening to our podcast. <laughs> We get a nice snick and a nice bang as they fight that guy. Then people start disappearing. Um, the enemies start, dis- they just kind of vanish. And everybody looks in the sky at this bright light. And then we find out that heaven is an old 50s diner in the sky. Jean's there. She's a waitress. She runs into Scott um, and her parents. And that's kind of the end of that one. So, who wants to take number two? Okay, is that how you? Okay, interesting. <laughs> All right, um, yeah, you because know, I had a different thought about where they were, but um, oh well, I, that, I, I'm just more more of a snarky. <laughs> no, no, no that's, a, that's a kind of an interesting idea. Um, okay, yes, yeah, so moving on to Phoenix uh, Resurrection number two. Um, so on the cover, we've got Jean in sort of her is this eighties costume? Is this seventies costume? Yeah, the old Marvel girl, 70s, 80s. Yeah. And everyone's sort of blowing up behind her. Um, What do you guys think of this this cover? It's not bad. It's there. Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Yeah, agreed. Agreed. (laughs) 
All right, so we start off uh, 254 miles above the Earth. Um, where some, some dudes in space working on the space station, he sees a vision of the Phoenix. Um, and we cut to Jean Grey waking up from some bad dreams in, in wherever she is. Um, and then we get uh, the credits. So writer is Matthew Rosenberg. Penciler is Carlos Pacheco. Uh, anchor is Rafael Fonteriz. And the color artist is Raquel Rosenberg. And letterer is VC's Travis Lanham. Um, so back to the story, Jean's late for work. She runs out of her house, and there's a, uh, a boy named Jamie who's mowing the lawn, and then there's many Jamies. Um, cut back to the X-Men uh, back at headquarters, and they're all fretting about what to do, um, and they're all worried it, it's the Phoenix or it's a Jean Grey, and they don't want to say either, and they need to uh, search the world. but. For some reason, all of the telepaths are gone, except for the best one of all, Cable. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, then back to Jean. She's working at the diner, and there's an old man with white hair who's asking for some food. And she's like, you look familiar. Um, and he's bending a spoon with his mind. Yeah. So, I just want to point out real fast, he's not wearing socks. Huh. <laughs> I didn't even know. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, that's odd. That's casual. That's very casual. Yeah, that's cash. That's right. That's cash right there. <laughs> Maybe he's got. You know, when I go to the gym, I wear like really tiny socks that like don't go over my sneakers. Maybe yeah. He's got those really like tiny, tiny socks on. Maybe. Yeah. So cut back to Cerebro, and Cable's going to give the go, but of course, Cable's kind of a crappy <laughs> telegraph, so he. he I don't know, he does a misfire or it's too much energy, he can't take it, and he's knocked out. Um, and so the X-Men are out of telepaths. Cut back to Jean, and she's um, about to bring out uh, breakfast for this old man. He's disappeared, and the spoon he's playing with is all bent up. Um, so another scene change, because this book is all about cutting back and forth. Uh, there's a whole group, but there's like 30 X-Men um, outside of the, the mansion, expansion, and Kitty's giving out orders, this team's going to do this, this team's going to do that. I was surprised to see Strong Guy is included in here for some reason. That was the biggest surprise for me. Um, I don't know about you guys. And there's the guy with the mustache? Who is that? That's Shatterstar. I think that's Rick. Oh, yeah, wait. yeah. Wait, which one? has facial hair now. Yeah. Is there another? Okay. Is Richter also have a mustache in this one? I forget. He is in I, here. I think I think he's got facial hair as well. <laughs> oh yeah, the one with the, next to a long shot and the group shot. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's Richter. Yeah, he's got a handlebar mustache now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, people get split up again. Um, Nightcrawler, Colossus, Kitty, and Storm are going to Jamaica Bay. Uh, the Weapon X team is going to Genosha. Strong guy and a bunch of non important X-Men go into the sewers. Um, <laughs> I mean, basically, that's his team, right? It's right. the C-list of X-Men. Uh, and then Rogue's team, uh, with a bunch of the uh, young X-Men, go to the Savage Land, and they're all uh, searching for you know signs of Phoenix or Jean. Um, and then sort of the main team we're following here, uh, Iceman, um, Longshot, uh, we've got young... A young woman, Wolverine. I don't know how to. There's too many Wolverines now. I don't know how to. 
Laura is there, and also uh, John from uh, Gen X, uh, and they run into Magneto, and it's like the old get up Magneto, and he's talking like a 1970s, 1960s supervillain, so they're all surprised because they thought they were cool with Magneto, he goes to fight them all, um, he gets his arm blown off, it grows back, uh, and then Laura's able to stab him you know, through the head with the, the spike from her foot, and then he disappears, and then suddenly, back in the cafe, that old man has reappeared with a little bit of a nosebleed. Uh, and then he and Jean look outside and they see the, the sky is, is afire with the phoenix. Yep. That's the it. End. That's number two. All right, Dan, what do you got for number three? Well, I have a sort of glowy-eyed Jean Grey floating above her uh, open grave with her tombstone in the background just saying Jean Grey and um, her original Phoenix costume, I think, um, as the front cover. How do you all feel about this front cover? I like the concept. Um, Don't care for the execution. Really? Yes. I don't know. I... Why are, why are her boobs floating so... <laughs> yeah, I mean, so I that, yeah. There's a lot of boob. I really like the color work. Yeah, I, I do too. I do too. I think the tombstone and like the ivy on it looks great. Um, yeah, I think it looks great except for the overly sexualization of the character. Yeah. Yeah. Because I like the idea that it might be the phoenix stood on the right-hand side or just next to the right-hand side to make the whole red sort of flash. But oh, anyway. Yeah. Okay, I didn't even think about that. That's a good call. But, but jumping straight in, we have Dinah Jean flying a, a spaceship, um, spatial <laughs> into I. I can only assume it's Hudson Bay. Um, not very well, and she's not very happy. And all of a sudden, she wakes up in the diner. Is it the diner or the supermarket? Somewhere, she wakes up very wet. And um, wow, damn. <laughs> This is a PG-rated show. <laughs> Sorry, I apologize. And a few possibly familiar faces. One that could possibly teleport you other places and is, um, appear around her. Oh. And then we have the credit. Yep, then we have the credits, which is um, obviously Rosenberg still writing, uh, Joe Bennett on pencils, Lorenzo Ruggiero on inks, Rachel Rosenberg on colors, uh, basically everyone else is the same. <laughs> Travis yep. Lanham as Lara, um Covered by you and I can't read the rest of the writing because it's gone really blurry on my end. Bajardo Jr. I think is the inks for the cover. And then we move to Jamaica Bay where two people are fishing and then all the fish are dead and then there's fire and it's not pleasant. But but they're alive. <laughs> they're alive. And then Jean's not happy and she looks almost as stretchy as skin in that panel um, <laughs> as she runs to her car. Then she's stopped. And then we move straight to uh, Cockham Hill Cemetery, upstate New York, with <laughs> Kitty's team that somehow has Moon Danny, even though she has no powers in the background. Um, and they just chat. And that's, oh no. It's just a lot of chatting. And Jean's um, body is not in the coffin. And finally, 
they may actually say the word Jean Grey. And then we cut back to Jean in her random little place and she meets a very interesting familiar face in Mr. Patch, who is the person who works at the garage, who loves his beer and loves to talk a lot. <laughs> and then she, then Jean basically telekinetically attacks him. And then he thinks it's just an earthquake because that's how earthquakes work. <laughs> right. and then, they throw tools at you. And then we yes. move. And then we move because uh, we move to the um, Beaumont Hotel in London because um, Kitty and everyone needs some. What is wrong with Warpath's face? I don't know. Sorry, Warpath's no. face is horrendous. <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. Um, that's terrible. So they've been, you know, it's all about psychics. They need psychics. They need a telepath. And then we get the only one that matters, Emma, as the as the final, almost frozen like a statue with her fair. Um, going through as many changes in the last couple of years as, I don't know, I go through underpants in, like, three days. Um, what? Well, she's, like, isn't she supposed to be, like, when is she, when is she back as the White Queen? I thought she was all, like, leather-clad, right. magneto helmet. I thought she was Wicked Witch of the West, yeah. Yeah, right. I don't know. <laughs> I'll get you. <laughs> Emma, Emma, doesn't, Emma, Emma doesn't need Cerebra. She knows exactly where. Jean's going to be. And then Jean's running down a haunted road, getting stalked by someone talking to her. She can't run anymore, apparently. She runs into a house. And then it's all fire. Everything is on fire. Because that's, you know, it's about the phoenix. And there is Jean in good phoenix form, being all like, hi, I thought it was time we should talk. Then we jump back to New Mexico, where every single X-Men that matters... Lost the original. And, and ones that don't matter, I would think. Yeah. And Han does is there in a really This is where X Men go to get laid, just FYI. <laughs> yeah, they go on the butt, right? They're, they're on yeah. the butt. <laughs> I, I'm quite surprised that Dazzler is in her new Excalibur costume and not in like anything that she's been in the last five or ten years. Yeah, that's uh, a surprise. And then all of a sudden there's a giant egg thing, dome, and. Icemans are like, well, that's ominous. And every reader is like, does this still going on? Um, <laughs> and it's to be continued. All right. <laughs> All right. Wow. So, art overall. It gets worse with age? Yeah, each issue, yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I was The first issue, I was like, I'm liking this. The second issue was, okay, this is all right. And then the third issue was, really? Yeah. This is what we're left with? Yeah. yeah. And Joe is not a bad artist, but that was not a good issue on his behalf. No, I think it, was, it felt rushed. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't this a weekly comic? So it's like, get it out as soon as, yeah. you know. Yep. They took one week off between three and four, but other than that, it's every week. So. That'll do it. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, so, I... Georgie, before we before we talk about the story too much, so obviously you had a thought on where Gene was. So why don't you why don't you let us well, know? Well, it's interesting that he's, you say it might be heaven because that's a you know an interesting idea that hadn't occurred to me. Uh, I had thought that they were somehow in in the Phoenix Force or being controlled by the Phoenix Force, and these were all the the old characters that had died, but right. Phoenix had, you know, the possibility of bringing some of them back. Oh, so okay. it was like the nexus of possibilities that the Phoenix Force also existed in, which could be heaven. 
Right. Um, but I just thought heaven was another interesting idea of, of putting it like they're all peacefully living in this suburban town where nothing bad happens is sort of a, you know, you might see that in a movie or a TV show uh, as a portrayal of what heaven might be. So, right. uh, but I, I, I thought it was definitely living like inside the Phoenix Force. That makes sense. So I've, either way, I'm sorry, go ahead, Dan. So I, 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 I thought they were good, might be in the white hot room. Ah, like, okay. From Morrison's, but isn't that like just? I don't know. It's an, it, everyone has their own white hot room, so I thought it was Jean's, mm-hmm. like interpretation of what she would right. see there. Yeah, it could be, could be. So how do you think? Regardless, I think all any three. It's definitely something where dead people are, <laughs> right? Whatever. Yeah. When, 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 um, I I think if we had to rank them, I'd probably. Uh, Tie you and Dan for first, and I'm a distant second. <laughs> um, but um, I think regardless of where it is, what? How do we think Magneto is kind of having a foothold there? He's kind of got a foot in both places, right? Uh, he's still alive. I think it's just because he had was part of that Phoenix Five for a little while. I think, it, like I said, it's like part of the Phoenix has their consciousness and is like materializing okay. them in the real world. I mean, it's with the other characters as well that are supposed to be dead. Right. They come back and fight and then disappear. So it feels like the Phoenix is like materializing these quote unquote creatures uh, into the real world and then bringing them back. Okay. Cool. It's really weird because you could, you could go out on a limb and be like, it could be the sliver of Magneto that was inside Onslaught when it died. Right. Um, ah. But let's not, let's not go that far. They wouldn't, they, they wouldn't. <laughs> so we shouldn't. Um, but I, after seeing the third issue, I thought it was just, I think she's in just a giant phoenix egg. Mm-hmm. And so the egg they right, found, right. you think there's like a world in there? I also don't think this matches with what the phoenix has been doing recently, like in four and in Jean Grey, like right. manifesting, um, apparitions doesn't seem what it's been about <laughs> for a little while, but right. I don't know, maybe it's just Jean, psychically, because um, she is ridiculously powerful. Maybe she's creating the apparitions herself. Maybe. Should, how do we... Uh, so how do we connect this to the the older ghost Jean that we saw in the Jean Grey solo book? That, to me, is the main disconnect that I'm having trouble... Yeah. I mean, you guys both bring it, bringing it up. It doesn't really match with the Jean series that was going on. Um, the themes that that was, you know, writing on or, or what the characters were doing in that book, it feels like the creative teams between that and this didn't really collaborate. And Marvel was just like, bring Gene back. You create the story. Don't worry about anything else. Uh, so it's, there's definitely a disconnect there. You really have to, uh, turn off your, your logic center. Why is no one, what really, um, impresses me is no one has actually asked the question, especially the young kid, the young original five, where is Jean? Exactly. <laughs> Where's young Jean? Like, where is she, like, let's find her. Um, and because I thought maybe the Jean that's in this magical, mystical world is Jean's physical body, but not her proper consciousness. And so the Jean, the ghost Jean might merge with and then bring it all back. Maybe I'm just trying to put logic where there is none. Um, 
we also don't see what happened to the cuckoos or to Hope or yeah, who else Quentin. is there? Choir. They're all yeah. missing as well. Yeah, why? Why is Emma fine? Like, why? Why was yeah, Emma? Wasn't she there as well? Yeah, unless Emma's an apparition as well. Hmm. Maybe she's dressed in her old. Maybe old that's apparel. what it is. Yeah. Maybe maybe you find out all of the psychics are just like floating in a circle and somehow <laughs> inside the egg. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they're using well it'll be something stupid um ooh, like ooh, they ooh. use the psychic energy of all of them to yeah. resurrect gene all right who wants let's place bets you know, I, if we can find anyone to bet against me y'all probably will both bet with me <laughs> but um who wants to bet against issue number four having a line about breaking an egg to make some omelets oh no <laughs> oh no please no <laughs> How many issues is this, by the way? I think five, five, I believe. Like the Phoenix Five, clever. Ah, there you go. Oh, they should have focused one issue on it. Never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> one issue on anything other than this. Right. Well, you um, know, all right, so let's, let's talk about the content. I think we've talked about where it kind of seems to disconnect. But I, I do like Rosenberg in general, and I did like kind of the tone and the pace. I know, Georgia, you said there's a lot of a lot of scene switches, and I agree. Mm-hmm. But there's also kind of a nice X-Files vibe to a lot of this that I enjoyed. Um, I agree. I also think I'm looking forward to Rosenberg's New Mutants, but daggum, put that guy on X-Men Gold. Like, this feels a hundred times more like X-Men than X-Men Gold does. Yeah, I would... I mean, the characters felt like they were the real characters like accurately portrayed and they gave given time to all the different you know you had like 30 different people in there and, <laughs> you know all of them had a couple lines and you felt like they were the real characters instead of you know whatever Guggenheim read on Wikipedia before he started to write <laughs> gold so yeah. I enjoy the I... book I, I like the pacing I, I do hope it leads to something because if you have a slow paced book that actually leads to nothing in the end it feels really really awful it like, right. feels uh, a terrible aftertaste to it but if it leads to something interesting I'm, I'm good with the pace I think um, it feels like like you said it, it's a slow paper, slow paced but I don't know if I feel like a little bit more drawn out for five issues I feel like there should be something more breadcrumbs than just there's a giant sphere in the place that she likes being like the sort of like the ten, the fe, the fe, the second act turning point, um, as we race to the finish. I don't know. I I enjoy um, the dialogue between the characters. Um, it does feel. I agree with you all, but I don't know. I, I don't know if I'm bothered. I don't know if that's my disconnect with Jean as a character herself. Right. Or like I feel like it's a massive tease because they keep showing dead characters. Yeah, bring this man back, you know. Bring this character back, bring that character back. Yeah, is she going to just, like, do the Phoenix um, force, whatever she does, where it all just turns into a giant fiery bird and then everyone's alive? <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, or, or are we just getting Jean back? You know what Redhead I'd rather have back, that I hope is back at the end of this? The, the, the superior redhead X-Men Banshee oh yeah yeah 
Oh, when he was in blue, I was like, oh, yeah, Banshee. Yeah. Oh, I miss you. <laughs> is Banshee dead then? Because I thought he yeah. was still alive with a death seed inside him. Oh, um, yeah, I guess that's a possibility. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to talk about that later, too. That's this that we all kind of talk about character disconnections. <laughs> my my only complaint about one of my favorite books is going to be a serious disconnect between that and Arnie Wolverine. But, um. Anyway, um, all right. Well, anything else you want to say about about these three before we move on? Um, I do hope it's not like like Dan just mentioned that a big fiery bird appears and all these dead characters are just back in the world. But I also don't know how they're going to bring Wolverine back. So it's um, funny you should I'm, mention I'm, that. There's going to be a miniseries grabbing exactly that. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I guess it won't be that. I guess he won't be. For, so. no. And he'll also be in the Infinity Book, so there's, there's something going on with that as well. I'm 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 interested to see how this. I'm I'm optimistic that this will turn into something interesting, rather than pessimistic. I'll say that. I, I enjoyed these first three, but uh, I hope the art picks back up from issue four, and I hope we lead to to something substantial in the end. Yeah. Well, hey, before we grade these. Let's go around the table and maybe let's let's maybe assume this wasn't a weekly comic. We could get one one guy to work with Rosenberg and draw this book. Who would you have picked that would have made this better for you? Oh. Marquez. David Marquez. Oh, come on, yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah. Unanimous. <laughs> I was also thinking Pacelli would be could really draw yeah. the hell out of this book. But to be honest, I liked uh, the artwork from the first issue a lot. If it were to continue that way, I would have been very happy, actually. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Very scratchy, and and it felt very old-school X-Men to me. I, I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, there's a couple of really good panels. I like um, the one of Old Man Logan and Wolverine looking up in the sky is really cool. Um I feel like the colors contributed a lot to the first issue. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, the other ones maybe a little more plain, you know. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So, uh, when you guys want to grade these first three issues, you can either grade them collectively or individually, however you want to do it. Um, three, three, two. That sounds like a football formation. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Jason? Um, I think I probably enjoyed them a little more than Dan. I'm going to go up on each book. I'm going to do four, four, three. Yeah, I'm I'm with you, Jason. Four, four, three. All right. Well, that is Phoenix Resurrection. So. Moving right along, um, we're going to move into A Man Called X. Georgie's going to hit Astonishing X-Men number seven. All right, Astonishing X-Men number seven. Writer Charles Soule, artist Phil Noto, and letter VCs Clayton Cowles. Um, it's notable that... Who was, who was the artist on the last uh, Astonishing book, uh, Jason? Oh, it was... Uh, you remember? Uh, you put me on the spot. A guy we both really enjoyed... He's been doing Del Avengers. Mundo. Yeah, Del Mundo. Yes, yeah. it was Del Mundo. 
And I remember thinking, we, we spoke about it, but uh, hey, I kind of like this book when it's the writer or the artist is, uh, you know, something like Delmundo. And I, I feel like maybe that duped me a little bit and that maybe <laughs> this issue duped me again because Phil Noto is bloody amazing. Yes. And having yep. him on the book was just like a godsend. I, uh, I enjoyed it just for the Phil Noto arc, to, you know, spoiler alert, but it, I felt like, hey, this isn't so bad. Yep, no, I, I agree. It, it looks it looks beautiful. Except for the cover. I do not like the cover at all. Yeah, it's a, a Diodato yeah. cover. Um, I don't think it's bad. It's just kind of really nondescript, I thought. Yeah. I, I mean, to, to go over, we've got on the cover, we've got uh, Professor X slumped over in his wheelchair with, it looks like Phantom X standing next to him. Um, and everything's kind of grainy and shadowy and all the folds on the shirt. I don't, I don't know. It's not my, my taste of artwork. What do you think, Dan? Um, um, uh, I would just walk past it if it was on a shelf. Yeah. Right. Yep. And I love that he chose to have Gambit as the solo headshot in the corner for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So we start off uh, where we left off in the previous issue with um, Professor X inside of Phantom X's body, and he says, just call me X. Um, and he basically, throughout the issue, just uses his Professor X magic to solve all of London's <laughs> problems. Which, mm. and on one hand, I'm like, oh, geez, Professor X can do anything, powers. But then I'm also like, well, if it ends this storyline, then fine, let's just end it. <laughs> But um, we have him sort of leeching all the, the, the poison, the psychic poison out from everyone in London. Um, he helps Archangel to retain control of his body. Um, and we have some awesome panels of him flying around. And just, you know, Phil Noto drawing anything. I just want to marvel at, uh, at all of it. But did you, did you have something you want to say there, Dan? We'll get to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We're talking about the controversial uh, gifts at the end. Yes, gifts. Yeah, yeah. So gifts then, that. Professor uh, <laughs> appears uh, psychically to the people who are handling the situation. Lendem puts them all to sleep so that he can uh, solve the situation and remove all the memories. Because Professor X is doing another memory wipe because that's what he Mind always does. Wipe, yeah. <laughs> I've missed how completely un-gray area he is. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then Psylocke is like, well, what happened to Phantom X? Did he really want to come out? And Professor X is like, come inside and talk to him yourself. And Phantom X is like a brainwashed little kid in, in a fantasy world. Um, and he's like, well, I don't know if I made the decision, but it was the right decision. And it really does sound like brainwashing from Professor X more than anything. <laughs> Um, cut to London again, and Gambit and Wolverine are like, uh-oh, Archangel's here, we're, we're dead. And Archangel's like, hey guys, we're cool now. <laughs> um, and they're they're staring at this green sun, uh, quote-unquote, that uh, Bishop calls it. And he uses his supercomputer to search for uh, you know, instances in his past of when... Uh, of green sun over London and what that might signify. 
Um, and that his computer lets him know that you know 97% or 99% of all timelines where this appeared in, things went really terribly, and then it blows up. And Professor X is like, uh-oh, and we have the return of Proteus. Dun-dun-dun. Why? Yeah, exactly why. Right, so um, there's a few things I would like to tackle. And you reminded me of Bishop and his I'm from every timeline ever. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> exposition. I need I need someone at some point to just erase every time traveller yeah. from from them. Because you can't just keep you can't have the concept of time being constantly fluid. And ch- ever changing if it's if you just step on a beetle somewhere and therefore the sentinels now rule the world or whatever. Um, but at the same time, have them constantly. I'm out of time, but you're not out of time because you're not wearing any special devices. You're literally in time now. So surely <laughs> you've altered the time completely. I I hate Temple Paradox as much as the others, but he, he always him Cable and all the other others are just like, well, in my timeline this means that this is going to go wrong. And I was like, well, every timeline you've come from is bullshit, so maybe you should just <laughs> go home. You've failed. You've failed your mission. <laughs> go home. Um, but I just... I, I love the art. I literally want Astonishing X-Men to be put to bed um, as a comic book um, outside of being like a um, art book of how to draw X-Men um, and how not to draw X-Men. <laughs> Um, outside of that, the story can just go, disappear, vanish. Um, I think Charles Sewell has fallen into the trap of, I've written this for too long now, so I really need to finish it and try and I've still got like, I've promised 12 issues of this. So I'm going to have to really like finish the London part of that section and move on to my like other part of the story, which is now God, God Xavier. Um, so we'll just deus ex machina everything. <laughs> nothing has nothing has consequences. No character is left untouched. That I can't just dissolve any character progression or any character work that happened in the last ten years in just a, a flick of a page. I just, I just think it's lazy. It is the lazy one of the laziest pieces of writing I've read, and I'm reading gold. Um, the book is still the the annoying thing is I'm still going to give the book a high mark because it is gorgeous to look at but I hate I hate so much I think I think it's lazy and like I don't I think I think broken Archangel's broken and the a good writer could maybe have written him out of that box and clearly everyone wants to write Archangel out of the box because they want be whatever they want him to be. Warren. They want him to be the nice, happy-go-lucky, blue-skinned, metal death machine that he is. Um, but to do it this way, I just, I'm just like, you've bought it. You've literally brought Xavier back just to do what Xavier always does, which is that's why they paralyze him in every film because he's just too powerful. Like you know what I mean? Right. No one can write him other than everything's fine, and it just it just ruins all stakes. I no longer care for the storyline at all because. Unless they fight him, which they're going to have to all wear psychic armor or something developed by Tony Stark or something. Um, <laughs> unless they fight him, it's just going to be him walking around going, look at my new body that I've literally stolen um, from someone who I've convinced is okay to live in a dream world for the rest of his life. 
you know? <laughs> I'm I'm totally the Professor Xavier you all know and love. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't mind me as I prod around everyone's minds. Yeah, um, but he's, he's overtly the, the Professor X that he's always been. I mean, previously, yeah. Marvel tried to hide it where he was this good-natured guy who had to make tough decisions and, you know, many times did bad things for the right reasons. But here he's... He's overtly making bad choices for his own personal gain, and it feels much more like uh, being very honest about the character, which was kind of refreshing and an interesting take on Professor X, rather than the the savior that has that everyone loves, who secretly isn't so so amazing. So I was I'm liking that spin on Professor I, X. I don't know because like Mike Carey's massively brilliant X Men Legacy run where he focused completely on Xavier and then obviously it moved to Rogue. I think he basically wrote the sort of quote-unquote... I'm not saying you can't write more about Xavier, but he he wrote the quote-unquote book on the man and literally went through all of the shades of his personality to the point where he comes to terms with the fact that he does use his powers to manipulate those around him and such off. And I'm like, mm-hmm. this just feels like a young... Spunky Xavier, who's just going to be kind of like McAvoy in X Men Vest Class, but with less Britishness. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, but also he's overtly like evil here. As well. Yeah, he, yeah, he's truly evil, which it, we always we always knew. But um, right. yeah, I suppose you're right. That it's nice to have an evil Xavier, I suppose, unless you count on the slot. I just I don't know. I just don't like the fact that he's just like it's done, it's done, everything's done. Now just click my finger. He's like the Q. He's clicking his fingers and everything's fine. So, I don't know. I just didn't like it all. <laughs> what about you, Jason? Uh, well, to be fair, um, you know, Archangel kind of just showed up the way he was with kind of no explanation in Colin Bunn's first issue of Uncanny X-Men. Um, didn't really feel like the same Archangel we had seen when when Remender left him anyway. And I'm not I'm not saying this is necessarily a return to that, but I feel like he's just kind of been snap your fingers to be the character you wanted to be for the last couple of years anyway. So it didn't bother me as much as it seemed to bother a lot of people. <laughs> and people were really, really pissy about that online, um, about, you know, Xavier's gift to war and those. And it is, it's an easy cop out, but no one's done anything interesting with war in, in quite a while. So, I mean, I don't know. I guess. I suppose you could argue that it's the same gift he gave Rogue, where he allowed her to access her powers properly. Right. Yeah. So. Yeah. All those years ago. Yeah. And I don't. You know what kind of bums me out about this a little bit too is, you know, the first Proteus story or some of the early Proteus stories. We have that awesome, um, art of like bendy buildings and stuff like that. And I'm kind of bummed that I don't know who's drawing the next issue, but. I would have loved to see Noto kind of uh, Inception London a little bit. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. So, but maybe we'll go back to Del Mundo. That would be cool, too. So, I don't Do you know. think Proteus is, is, is the right type of villain for any book, let alone, <laughs> like... No. Well, to be fair, if we have Professor X who can do anything, he might as well fight a mutant who can also do anything. So right. I, I, I think that's the... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like the, the books can just become 
Well, that's already ridiculous. But I don't know. <laughs> I just feel like it has no... Because he can shape all reality and Xavier can shape basically all reality if you consider perception as reality. Um, you just have a face-off over gods and then it's just kind of boring. Because there's going to be callbacks where he turns one of them into liquid and mm-hmm. like, and then he'll like make Wolverine's claws rubber or something and <laughs> There'll be some some really, like, kissy, childlike use of his abilities, and then he'll actually seem like a threat, and then he's he's killed by Colossus crushing him with a car while he's possessing someone else's body. Oh, wait, that's Ultimate X-Men. But (laughs) I hope that works. I hope that's how it works. Um, I don't know. I I, I don't think it's a... Where's it going? Is That's what I'm trying to say. Like, is this a good way to go? Surely you should just, like, maybe... Sort of deal with the fact that Xavier's back. Maybe that's more important than fighting yet another villain straight away. Yep, I agree. I agree. All right. Speaking, uh, uh, did you guys read the backup? Yes. Yeah. Basically, uh, just get, it's it's actually kind of fun because it kind of is. Bit, some of it was very um, parallel to my '60s read through. Um, like the part with him playing football and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So. Do, do you guys know what the purpose is for some of these backups? Like, is it really? It's, it's not really conveying any interesting story. It's just like a recap, or I think you these, had are, a... these are X Men, and right. you're paying. Are you paying extra for this, these pages? Or... <laughs> no. no, we'll get to paying extra in a minute. Um, no, I think it's really just like if I hadn't read these stories, I think it might be kind of interesting just to know. I just kind of like put on an index card somewhere, but. Yeah, no, I, I think it's just just an excuse to kind of give a brief history lesson. Alright. Alright, so what do you guys uh, want to rate this book? I'm going to do four out of six claws just for the art. And I feel like I, I feel like Charles is getting away with something when I do that. But... <laughs> I'm, I'm giving it free just for the art because the writing's enough to damage it from four to three. <laughs> I I gotta with Jason again. It's four out of three. I think I am being duped a little bit by the artwork, but I'm okay with it. You know like what I mean? I feel like a really cynical Brit. No, it's moment. okay. I'm I'm about I'm about to bottom out all my grades. So <laughs> yeah, Dan. To be fair, I'm about I read, to scrub I, the toilet with read, these next books. <laughs> yes. That's my point. When I read this, I thought in my head, what are the worst books going to be? And I read from worst to best. And oh, I always the other way around. And I read this after I had read Gold, and, I, and it really colored my perception on the book, I feel like. So, Ooh, yes. I, gold I Colored gold. Glasses is the name of a future episode. <laughs> I, I gave, like, I was like, okay, they're ending this stupid story, so that's sort of a plus. You've got an interesting Xavier arc coming up, so that's kind of us. The artwork is amazing. I just, uh, to me, I couldn't have. I read it in amongst a, a, a load of comics, whereas I always read Gold Last because so, I, I realized that as long as if I read Gold Last, I can go and, I don't know, drink afterwards <laughs> <laughs> to like get over it. Because I feel like if I read Gold First, I wouldn't read any more comic books. <laughs> So um, I'd be like, nope, done, done with the day. I'm the kind of person who likes to get the bad stuff out of the way first. Yeah. So I have to 
have to do those. Uh, you like when I I uh, I go to my mum's house and have to eat her cooking. Yeah, no, the best stuff first, I, and it's just like food. You know, yep. the li- lima beans are out, right? The lima beans are going down <laughs> first, so I can get to everything else. I hate lima beans. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm not I'm not anti vegetable. I love vegetables. I just don't like lima mm-hmm. beans. Yeah. There's always one vegetable that's an enemy. That's right. fair. <laughs> well, speaking of enemies and lima beans, <laughs> um, we're going to talk about Weapon X, Lucky Number 13, The Nuke Clear War Part 2, which, why did they just say nu- nuclear? Or nuclear? However, however Bush said it. That's what they should have said. Um, <laughs> all right, this is written by Greg Pack, art by Yojere Sinar. I have no idea if I said that right. Um, Colors by Frank Diamarna, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, and the cover by Ooh. David Nakayama and AKA DNA. Um, I like his style. I don't know about this cover in particular. Um, we have Nuke with uh, the, if you remember G.I. Joe, he has Roadblocks machine gun. Um, and for some <laughs> reason, Sabretooth is pouncing out of his crotch. And then. They're fighting a bunch of G.I. Joe guys with American flag face tattoos to match Nuke. And I guess the interesting, quote-unquote interesting part of the cover is you have this American flag black backdrop where the red stripes turn into blood splatter. Um, what do you guys think of the cover? It's the best the artwork ni- of the book for oh, me. Oh, for sure. The 90s? Uh, <laughs> I, 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 <laughs> I, I, it doesn't appeal to me. Um, it's, it, I agree, it's better than the insides. All right. It looks very... Oh, what's that book? Oh, go ahead, Jason. No, I, no. I've blank. If you have go a ahead. comparison, bring it up. No, I've, I've gone blank. Go for oh, it. Okay. All right. Uh, so basically, in this story, um, this book's not very good anymore, and Nuke is a terrible character. What do you guys think yeah. of the art? <laughs> Forgettable. I thought the art was terrible. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't like to bag on people all the time. And I don't know this guy or what he's done before. But and in all of it too, not just him. And Frank Diamarda, I normally like. I don't think it's colored very well. I think it's really hard to see some stuff. Um. Yeah, I just. I. I don't. I'm. I'm annoyed that I that I bought this book. Yeah, um, I mean, to be honest, the Weapon X book art-wise has been pretty bad for me for quite a while. Right. Um, so this was a, a change. I, I enjoyed there was a change. Not that I felt like it was a change from bad to better. It was a change of bad in one way to bad in a different way. <laughs> but at least it was a different shade of bad. So that was, I guess, enjoyable. There was a change. Okay. I don't know. Fair enough. Dan, anything to, to say on the on this book? No. All right. Good. Let's let's move on. What do you guys want to grade Weapon X number thirteen? Nil pois. Um one <laughs> one <laughs> Do you remember when Weapon X was 
Good. Oh, I remember that. That was yeah. a good time. Yeah. Greg Landron, yeah. It was like a long Jeez, time ago. Greg. That feels like I'm ago. <laughs> and I want to be clear. I like Greg Pack. And so I don't, I don't want to just say, like, he's a shit writer or anything, because he's not. I just, I don't, wherever he's decided to, to take this book is just not interesting to me. Agreed. So, yeah, um, I don't know where we're going. It doesn't feel like we're leaving anywhere. Maybe, this feels maybe, like filler. Maybe he found out he's getting cancelled. Like maybe found out, like, so. A ago. Maybe so. So he's just doing whatever he wants. Right. Yeah. Um. So Dan, did I hear hear right? You gave it a one. Yeah, I gave it yeah one. Yeah, I feel bad because like I feel like you're being like generous. <laughs> I I'm gonna end up going with the one I thought about just crumbling this up and giving it a zero, throwing it in the trash. But I'll I'll be I'll be nice. I'll give it one out of six as well. I oh boy, for me, I didn't have any hope for this book, um, and I don't care about Nuke one way or the other. So, and then when I compare it to Gold, I feel like because my hope for those characters and the letdown of what that book is to me is so much greater that that falls in a worse grade. So I'm going to give this like a two just okay. because Gold gold hurts me so much more. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is a fair assessment. Speaking of well, Gold... Unless we have like a, a different rating system, one for normal books and one for Gold. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yes. Okay. Yeah. This is this would be a one for normal books for sure. Yeah. The gold standard is that what we'll call it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, so, like a five for the gold standard is like a two for regular books, or like how does that work? Yeah, pretty I think that's much. How, that sounds about right. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, speaking of the gold standard, I have four whopping issues to run us through. I have X-Men Gold 18 through 20 and this annual number one. Um, all right. Let me see. Is there anything? So for number 18, we have Martin Guggenheim, Ken Lashley, Arif Prianto, VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! Yep. And a cover by Ken Lashley and Juan Fernandez. Number 19 is Guggenheim penciled by Diego Bernard inked by J.P. Meyer colors by Chris Sotomayor letters by V.C.'s Corey Pettit again and a cover by Ken Lashley and Federico Blee number 20 is the same except for the colors are by Frank Martin and the annual we get a co-writer we have Lee Williams and it's penciled by Alida E. Martinez uh, with inks by Martinez and Craig Young. <coughs> Excuse me. Colors by J. David Ramos and Dono Sanchez Almera. Lenders by VCs Corey Pettit. Woohoo! And cover by Alan Davis, Mark Farmer, and Chris Sotomayor. All right. On the cover of 18, we have our dead Nightcrawler in chains. Really, this should have been... It's not a terrible cover. It should have been the cover to the 17, I think. Since he was actually in chains in that issue and he's already escaped and impaled himself on a statue. But, um... Anyway, any thoughts about the cover? Once you've seen Nightcrawler in chains, you've seen him in chains many times. 
Mm. I don't know what's going on with his thigh muscles. He's not that kind of character. It's, it's kind of Liefeldian, isn't it? Mm. I mean, he's a svelte, slim, you know, yeah. agile character. Not the guy who's doing a ton of squats like this guy has to be. <laughs> Kick you through a building kind of character. Yeah. He looks like Chun-Li from Street Fighter. That's how big his thighs are. He also has a chin pack. <laughs> Yes, he has so many ab muscles that turn into chest muscles. <laughs> kind of, yeah. I really think those are just big abs up top. <laughs> you know those are pecs. Um, <laughs> all right, so um, Damage Control is trying to rebuild Central Park X School. Um, Wizard Trump is pissed. Uh, Nightcrawler can't die. Our team is discouraged. They're going to trade for Kitty to get off world, but then they don't. They fight instead. Storm comes back. Blah, blah, blah. Fight aliens. Beat aliens. Statue turns to life. Um, Then we move to 19 with another fair to poor cover of Old Man Logan slicing Colossus as they're all being sucked out of a spaceship. Um, Then we get some history. Um about this statue, alien, lizard, god. Our X-Men fly around and do crap. Um, Old Man Logan stabs Wizard Trump in the head. Um, Oh, gosh. They get on a spaceship. It doesn't really work. They're going to try to suck the statue god into space, into the black hole in the negative zone. They do, but then they crash. Number 20. We're all crashed in the desert in the negative zone. Storm beats a tremor worm. Um, everyone's dying except for this ink guy. He pulls Nightcrawler off of a stake. Kitty's afraid she's going to lose Colossus. They eventually get back home when Storm, who has lost her powers on the alien world, finds a way to summon them, recharges the spaceship. They portal back home. Everything's okay. They do some cleanup, and Kitty reproposes to Colossus, and that's where we end. All right, so these three. Um, I know we haven't been high on Lashley. I did think some of his alien stuff was okay. Uh, there's one scene in particular where you see some buildings and you see like an alien like space bird. I thought that was kind of cool looking. Other than that, I didn't really care for it. Um, I thought Bernard, though, was even almost worse just because he was so boring. Yep. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I. Oh, but this feels like. Uh, why is this story even taking place? The the act like oh we're never gonna get home, but you never really feel like oh they're gonna be trapped. That they're gonna make it back. Can I just yeah. say the fact yeah. that they crashed twice is just I felt like why, <laughs> why? <laughs> you know, in seventeen you have Nightcrawler's impaled, and then right away in eighteen it's like ah oh, it doesn't really matter he can't die anyway so who cares it's like well, there's no dr- drama there's no stakes you don't feel any sort of dread for what might happen to these characters and it feels Swiss like Army as well like Swiss Army Inc. can do everything yeah ever. yeah I, I don't I, I'm having you, know, you have. I'm having trouble you know, remembering great characters, right. and you just do all this dumb stuff with them. I don't understand. You know, it's like having you're this great like like basketball player, and you can do everything, but you end up just like bouncing the ball off off your foot, and out of bounds every time you have the ball. <laughs> is what this feels like. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, 
I feel like there used to be okay X-Men stories and they would go to a different world and find themselves in a conflict and it'd be interesting. I don't want to blame all this on Guggenheim. I feel like the last several of these kind of stories, I just I just don't know if I enjoy them anymore. Well, you know what it was? When, when Claremont was doing it, actions had consequences. People would join the team and they would get killed or they'd lose their powers, get knocked off the team, and it felt like there was actual weight. Right. But now you know nothing bad is going to happen. They're all going to make it. So right. I don't have any fear about, about any of this story. I assumed that, well, I didn't want armor to die, but I assumed that armor or ink would be a red, a red shirt and just get murdered on one of the planets, <laughs> and like, that's it. But, like, talking about Deus Ex Machinas, ink is just like, uh, I've just had a tattoo, now I can resuscitate the dead, or whatever this tattoo means. Right. I can fix everything ever, because I've got, like, a tattoo on my ass that says fix everything ever. <laughs> You know what I mean? Yeah. What? What's? And I've always hated the character's powers because they're so ill-defined. But Guggenheim really does. Well, he, he goes for it. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, th- I think. I think the worst part is you don't. I don't know if is. If the the setup is bad or if Guggenheim just can't make us. I I, zero investment in the people on this negative zone planet. I mean, yeah. who cares at all what happens to them? <laughs> and, Not at all. Yeah. Um, so we had, we had a couple of decent Old Man Logan, Clint Eastwood lines. Um, you know, maybe Guggenheim should just focus on that. <laughs> I don't know. Um, all right, well, so I guess in the end, what do we think about the proposal? Are we are we excited, happy? Who cares? Wish they were with somebody think, else. What do you guys think? I, I think I called it the another nail in the coffin of his his character work on Kitty Pride. Um, yeah. So it's not a bad thing that those two would get married. It's just in the hands of anyone else, right? Even my own pet fish, it would be more <laughs> interesting, like than Guggenheim, I imagine, because it's going to be some horrible thing because all he ever trades in is nostalgia it seems in any right. way shape or form so she's probably going to wear the same dress as Jean or something they're probably going to get kidnapped by Mr. Sinister <laughs> <laughs> you know it's, I, just, I just I don't I just don't I don't even know if it's Kitty's a, Kitty's a, a doppelganger and, and Classis has married a, a copy of Kitty Oh my God. goodness gracious! And they have a time traveling baby. Are they the new? Are they the new X Men power couple? I I couldn't care less because he has written Kitty to become quite unlikable as a person, and yeah. um, he's written Colossus into the wallpaper of the X Mansion. So he is about as charismatic as a plank of wood. Right. So boring. And it's not. It's, be- so it's like yeah. It's like I'd rather see Armor marry Ink at this point than, <laughs> than, than, than anything else. Right, and it's not just because she's like the leader, she's bossy or whatever, or kind of has like a snippy attitude. Because she still has that in a uh, Phoenix Resurrection, but I feel like Rosenberg wrote circles like around, there, yeah. yeah, wrote circles yeah, yeah. around Guggenheim in three issues. Um, it's just something Guggenheim has done to her. I don't know. I can't really put my finger on it. It's like she's just 
It's just so annoying now <laughs> in, in gold. Like, I'm Kitty, I do everything. How dare you? If you wanted to write a Kitty book, go ahead and write one. You know what I mean? It's just, don't, don't write the next one. Right. Now, we've got, you know, Colossus, Storm, Kitty, you know, three classic at Nightcrawler, you know, four classic you know, beloved X-Men, and I don't enjoy reading any of them in this book. <laughs> no. no, every time Nightcrawler, at least at least Storm got lines. That's my, like, yeah. I've got like a, I should have like a tick diagram somewhere of how many times Storm can speak in an X-Men right. Gold issue. Yeah. But like, every time Nightcrawler's like, I'm invincible, I'm like, great. <laughs> What's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> like, Another guy that can't die on an X-Men team. Yeah. Our original. Right. Hey, it, it, well, to con- continue my uh, put Rosenberg on gold campaign, Storm had more lines in those three issues than she's had in all 20 issues of this book. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And they weren't even that good. No. <laughs> like, like she, she seems like a... Uh, she doesn't seem like Storm. She seems like a self-doubting sort of like... Part, like when Kitty first joined the bloody team. You know, she doesn't seem like the stalwart X X Men that's been in the team forever. She she's like, oh, I don't know if I can do it. Oh, I'm so so not prepared to do anything because I'm not the leader. Therefore, my characterization ends there. Yeah. I don't know. I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> Storm and Kitty had a great relationship uh, previously. It's Those like two. a yeah. big sister, little sister kind of relationship. Yeah. Uh-huh. You, you there's do. none of that here. You do know, Georgie, that the relationship is there because she says kitten a lot. Oh, right, right. Therefore, that right. is implied. Yeah. Because all you need to do to sell a book, apparently, is just throw in words from a Claremont-era book. <laughs> and, and it'll fly off the shelves. Right. Speaking of words... You can probably um, flashcards. Yeah. In, in uh, issue 18, uh, we have a, a spot where Old Man Logan and um, Armour speak in Japanese... And I don't know, I mean, I appreciate the effort, and they have later on, um, uh, one of the issues, there's the Japanese followed by Russian. And I don't know who they get to, like, check over, or if he's using, he's not using Google Translate, because it's not that bad, but it, it, it's a bad, really terrible Japanese um, going on back and forth between them. It doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. And I really hope they have someone, you know, looking over this, or they have... Just get someone to check on this because it doesn't feel like a native Japanese speaker speaking. It oh. feels like it's been double translated and it's been lost. I, I know it's a it's a little nitpick, but it felt like what is it doesn't make any sense. But he's not writing the book for people who actually care about things like language. He's writing as long as he puts like like well, Claremont did it, so I can do it. Um, if he puts like a different language in, he's he's fine. Cause like, I don't know. Why is why is armor even there? Is my question. Mm-hmm. No why, why is she, like, um, because she's been reverted. Like like every character he puts in gets reverted back. Any guest star, apart from Ink, who is somehow like the most useful X Men, and why isn't he in every X team ever? It seems though he's practically uber powerful. But like everyone else gets reverted back to like pre sort of the proto stage like when we first met armor where she was mm-hmm. like a child in uh whedon's one not the armor that like went on missions with the astonishing x-men and seems to become like a actual valued member of the team she's all like mm. like when he did magic and magic got kidnapped by random 
Oh yeah, that was right? so bad. Like gangsters. Yeah. Like, like he, he just, he just. I feel like he does it so he can make Kitty look better. It's like it's like Guggenheim sort of allowing her to have people fail around her, so Kitty's always doing well yeah, somehow. Cause he doesn't know how to write at all. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, let's grade these and talk about the annual for just a second. Um, I'm gonna so 18, 19, 20. I'm gonna go one zero one. Oh, we can do zeros. Yeah. I'll continue. If if we're allowed if we're allowed zeros, I'm gonna continue your binary by zero zero zero. All right. <laughs> Blow some holes. I feel so bad giving a book a zero. Honestly, it hits you in the face like like you've done something wrong to it as you read it. So giving it zeros, it deserves it. I I was gonna give it all ones just Go because I can't. Yeah, yeah, I can't. I, I just feel so terrible giving it all <laughs> zeros. I can't. I, I could have skipped nineteen and not have been any the wiser. I mean, I could have skipped this whole storyline and been fine. Just read the f- the three pages at the end where she proposes Colossus. Right, that's all you need. All you need. All right. Well, real quick, um, X Men Annual Go Number One. Um, I was hoping to let you guys got to go off on some Excalibur excitement, but this this comic is terrible. Um, it's horrible. Yeah. So uh, yeah, the Cross Atlantic Caper. Um, which, by the way, came out before the proposal issue, but is very solidly in the middle of their engagement. In fact, we're not even caught up to this book yet. It says it takes place between X-Men Gold 22 and 23. So <laughs> why don't you just wait? Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so Excalibur comes back. Um, we have an Alan Davis cover, very reminiscent of issue number one of that. Famous book, but not quite as good. I mean, I like I like yeah. Captain Britain's little hipster beard, but other than that, don't know. Yeah, it just feels like they went, Alan, can you just hear some money? Just quickly bash right. one out. Followers. His uh, his architecture looks cooler than his characters. Yes, yes. But is it the architecture that's almost identical? Has he just like lifted it from the other picture? <laughs> maybe, <laughs> maybe so, maybe so. Uh, anyway, um, so Brian and Megan have a baby. The only part about this I kind of enjoyed was where she sends the uh, stork and uh, Nature Girl woo, thinks that uh, Kitty is pregnant, and they all kind of have a, a laugh at that. Anyway, uh, they have this baby, but this baby is like super smart, and they have some misadventures with this guy from, I don't remember who was writing, but it was the... Uh, when Chris Bacalo was doing Uncanny X-Men before Bendis, um, we had that those those people that came to hunt down the, the Phoenix survivors. Claremont. Yeah. Was it? It was Claremont's reta- one of Claremont's returns. Oh, okay. It was just after the arc with Laura, I think. Okay, cool. Um, anyway, we had this guy. He's, he's realized that Rachel's still alive. He's going to kill her, but then they find a way to make him a universe where his, his peeps are still alive. Um... Then the uh, the ex Excalibur guys become the godparents to the super smart baby, and uh, we have a backup story. Which, why are we stealing stories from that terrible extraordinary X Men run? But um, 
Basically, there's this girl who's obsessed with Storm and wants to meet Storm, just like that lady in the survival camp in Inferno. Um, and they see some battles, and they eventually meet her and, you know, get a picture taken, whatever. And Storm, Storm reconnects with why we do this. Um, oh, man. I didn't think the art was very good in either of these stories. I did not care for Look Who's Talking Excalibur version at all. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't know. I nothing about this appealed to me in the least. And it's I nice paid to... an extra dollar for it, so. Ouch. Well, you got that extra backup story that was really worth it. Uh-huh. <laughs> it, it, is, it is nice that Brian forgets to ask his twin sister to come round. Um, <laughs> to um, to maybe talk about the baby. Um, and like the way he writes, Megan. Ugh. Just ew. Generally, like, I know she had a little bit of a few issues of, like, not reading, but, like, you make her out to be an utter dumbass. Like, Guggenheim's, like, really just. Well, he probably read, like, the first five issues of Excalibur. He's like, okay, I got this. And then he went to work. Oh my god, he just read the Ricky. <laughs> he just read the Ricky. Just, that's all he did. It feels like he, what he usually does. Here's some nostalgia for you all. Love it. And then people will probably be like, this is amazing because these characters are together. Because fuck actual character work or storytelling. We just like having the characters in the same page. But the real question is, what do you guys think of the spicy strawberry shirt that Megan's wearing? (laughs) I don't know. Is that supposed to mean something? (laughs) I have no idea. Okay. Um, yeah. I, I enjoyed this more than the regular gold issues, maybe because there was other characters, maybe because there was a different artist. I didn't I didn't know there was a backup until you just mentioned it a minute ago, Jason. <laughs> so reading that, I was like, oh, that is terrible. That backup was, that's zero. Yeah. Um, and I let's, don't really let's, like Let's the, give them their zero credit. <laughs> it was written by Monty Nero, uh, art by Digital Mor- Morissette Pond. Uh, colors by Michael Garland, letters by VCs Corey Pettit. <laughs> Montenegro yeah. drew me a really nice Nightcrawler. I met him at a con. Oh, that's cool. And his actual comic book's quite good. But I, which I've totally forgotten its name all of as well. So it's so good, I can't remember it. But it wasn't <laughs> there. Yeah. So. All right. So, disappointing return of Excalibur. Do you know what scares me? Is this if this does well, Guggenheim will be writing Excalibur. Will he or will he Williams? I don't know. It feels like a threat. The comic, <laughs> the, the comic feels like a threat. Like, <laughs> I dare you to buy this for four ninety nine. See what we see what we do with it. Okay, well, I never want to read this again. I'm. I'm in a bad mood now. I'm going to stay with my zero out of six claws, and (laughs) we'll see if we can pick it back up. I'm going to upgrade it to one because, like Georgie said, it actually is better than what we just read (laughs) in the So I will give the Excalibur proper character part a one and the backup a zero. So average is out to one half claw. Or, sure. Or maybe two thirds. <laughs> we'll 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 distribute the weight proportionally. Um, uh-huh. All right. 
Well, forget that snot. Let's move on to X-Men Blue 18 and 19. We continue our cross-time capers. Mr. Dan. Uh, more, more references of Excalibur. Um, so they both practically have the same um, creative team. So writer Cullen Bunn, penciler R.B. Sylvia. Sylvia? Silver. Um, Inca. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say any words today. Adriano Benedito. Yeah, they, yeah, he does both. Because um, I've got both in front of me, so I'm just checking them off. Let's do. Colorist, Rain and Burrito. Uh, letters, VC, Joe Caramagna. Um, Colorist is R, 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 R for Adams. I used to call him R Adams. That's a totally different artist, isn't it? No, same guy. Okay, okay. And one has Federico Blee, and the other one has Rain Burrito helping. And we've got on the front cover of 18, the classic face-off that we've always wanted, which is um, Ink's weird long hair versus Beast's weird facial chin. Um, <laughs> so we have we have Generation X versus our original group plus Bloodstorm plus Wolverine point five, whichever Wolverine that is. <laughs> what do you guys think of the What do you guys think of the the cover? It's not bad. Yeah, not bad. Yeah, it, it feels kind of Gen X to me, like super bright and and shiny and colorful. I, I, the, you know, in my in my memory, those covers were always full of like crazy, crazy colors and, and brightness and fun. So I did sort of like all the the, the images that are just like threatening my retinas with, with brightness here. I do like the. Um... Adam's really like homages um, Bacalo's chamber with the way the the sort of flames are and the scratchiness yeah. around his mouth. I thought it was quite a nice, quite a nice visual cue to the old school. But yes, so we start at the Massachusetts Academy with oh, we miss him so Sean and um, Emma just having a nice chat. Then Iceman's thrown through a window because. That's what happens, and then we jump into a full, full throttle brawl between our X Men Blue team and Gen X. Everyone pairing up. We have Skin and Beast, um, Jimmy and Penance, Husk and Cyclops, Angel and Mondo. Because in this situation, Mondo's alive. Marvel Girl fighting Chamber, I think, and Bloodstorm fighting M. So um, I gotta yeah. say, I really enjoy this big splash page of, of craziness. Oh, yes. Remember when we remember when um, Silver was doing gold, and we were like, mm, "It's good," but uh, oh. I feel like this is better. So much yes, better. Yes. Yeah. Um, like ten times better. This is like my favorite out of all the books we've we've read. I've, uh, aside from Astonishing, this is my favorite artwork. Definitely. Um, and we get some fun uses of powers, and we have um, uh, Sync doing his rainbow bright, whatever, telekinesis. <laughs> and I, just, I, just, I just really love it. I love the fact that um, Husk goes Ruby Quartz to fight Cyclops, and yeah. even Bloodstorm turning into smoke to fight M. Um, I didn't know um, she could do but, that. <laughs> I forgot she could do that, one or the other. Yeah, I, thought that was, I think that's one of my favorite. It's actually one of my favorite, like, moments in the book and the fight um continues for some time until um whee, as it is at the top of the page and banshees are like all right what's up lads and lasses um and they all have a nice little chat everyone calms down and they go in to have uh gene and psych 
I feel Sykes like gained some upper body weight. A mm-hmm. little bit, yeah. Um, yeah, he's no longer slim. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, they have a nice, nice chat about everything that's happening um, with all the time. Where at the same time, the rest of the the rest of the troop having a fun little sort of square off in, or just like a chill. Apart from Jimmy and Penance, who are having a proper like, are we gonna, f- are we gonna like murder each other? Looking, <laughs> um, which I really enjoyed. To be honest, I thought those two panels were really nicely done. And then we they talk about the uh, Beast finds out that the, mash, the the academy is some sort of illusion. The whole thing's an illusion, and they're talking about um, like the X resistance. And Emma invites Jean to go into her mind, and they see this a ridiculous sort of fight between the resistance and the original X Men, where we have. Knight of the Holy Grail, Angel, Phoenix, Cyclops, like Hound, Gene, is some sort of demon beast and iced feet, ice man with baggy trousers. He's wearing flag girl pants. One yeah, <laughs> weirdest one. Um, and then the Gene in that weird image can sense young Gene, and she gets all upset. And then um, they basically transport to a different time where the original X-Men are fighting Magneto and his brotherhood seems to be dead around his feet. Which leads us straight into uh, the cover of um, number 19, which I actually really like this cover. I liked I it when too. I first saw it. Um, the idea that they're stood on like a mirror and you've got the original team in their original uniforms, all but Beast looking up at the camera. And then you've got the um, blue team underneath just looking. And I, I really like it. I generally think it's a really nice cover. I know, it, yeah, me too. I, I know it's simple and obvious, but I really, really enjoy the fact that you have um, Jimmy and Bloodstorm without the reflections. There's no counterparts. I, just, I thought that was a really kind of cool visual symbolism. I also like mm. the idea that the new X-Men uniforms have X's on the soles <laughs> of their boots. <laughs> I thought that was fun. Oh. <laughs> I, I quite like the fact that Beast's almost touching Beast, like he's sort of waving almost. At each right. Other. It's just yeah. a really nice thing. But anyway, back in the past, um, our blue team is having the time of their lives watching <laughs> versions of themselves murder Magneto's brotherhood. And um, clearly something is really not right. And so the blue tea, well, Xavier turns up and uh, Magneto's are like, oh, it's Xavier. And Xavier's like, oh, look. And then they're talking about a nuclear missile that's heading their way. And we have the classic sort of, um, well, basically, Xavier's evil as hell, just like he is in here. And he's like, I, I doubt even your shields can hold up against that. Um, and they body slide this random team of past X-Men, leaving Magneto to die, and all of the uh, X-Men Blue to die, but no, fine. Explosions, fine. They're all, and we move, move well, sorry, I totally forgot that we actually moved to talking about the uh, random team. In Xavier's Institute, School for the Gift, and Xavier walking around, they're talking about this is when you know stuff's gone weird because they go to some random room and there's Xavier plugged into Cerebro who doesn't look like he's had the best day of his life. <laughs> and and there's the blue team with Magneto because um, Beast got him out of there real quick. 
and then we have this um, ridiculously bizarre, multi-dimensional break of realities that magazine and um, the following pages are essentially um, apart from the nice joke of Jean's going to pick a fight with Magneto which I thought was nice um, the following pages are basically just Magneto and the blue team all work together and which leads them to actually teleport into the mansion and fight this other team and get ready to like do it do it do and all the all, all my my all the fighting starts, and then all of a sudden we find out it's that horrendous idea future team from the Bendis run. Right. Um, Battle of the Atom. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and it's to to be continued. And I forgot how bad Ray's looked until I saw him again. <laughs> so, um, apologies for stumbling on that one because I totally I was clicking through and my uh, tablet was going too fast for me. <laughs> It's skimming pain, almost as if it was bearing me from some of the pain. Um, but I actually didn't mind. In retrospect, I've been I've been like joking that I've had to read Blue and it's the lesser of two evils, but it's still evil. But after talking about what we've talked about, I feel <laughs> Blue is the more positive one. Easily. Like it, I, I'm going to dare say I enjoyed these issues. I did yeah. too. Oh my god, it's weird, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, it's like because I really didn't like seventeen. I wasn't really fussed with seventeen and sixteen at all. I was like, ah, oh, time, more time travel. But it may just be my love for Gen X. But throwing the Gen X kids and just having that really cool brawl was just a really nice sort of palate cleanser for me. And then I think. The kind of fun dialogue they have with Magneto in 19 and sort of getting him on board. And then the only downside is, oh, we're using that group of future X-Men. Right. Um, I thought that was kind of interesting. I mean, maybe not my first choice, but... It's definitely a curveball. Yeah. To... Yeah, because one thing Bond has done well, in this, at least in the last couple of issues... Not not to start the story, because I agree with you. This, this story started as kind of like, oh, good grief. But it kind of slowly built in where you actually had a little bit of mystery on what was going on and who was messing with the timeline. And I, I really didn't see this particular resolution coming. And so, right. and I think I was probably, I'm probably a little more, I didn't love it, but I don't think I, I despise Battle of the Atom as much as maybe you two guys. Um, so I, didn't I don't mind. hate it. It's just I was just thinking, mm, these guys. But then Bun could really spin these guys into a really interesting... I think so, too. I think, sure. you know, this book really suffered heading into the crossover and took a while to recover, but I'm hoping that maybe, you know, Bun, as we kind of race towards what may or may not be the finish line in this book is being able to do a little more of what he wants to do. And I think we're, we're benefiting from that a little bit. And plus this art, Silva and Barreto together have, have made yes. two really great looking books. That's, that's the thing. Uh, you know, I harp on it a, a lot. And I feel the same way with movies, but this is a visual medium more than anything. So if you can dazzle and, you know, hook people with the artwork, you've won, you know, three-fourths of the battle of the audience. Yeah. And, 
you know, 18 and 19 are both, you know, wonderfully bright and fun, colorful, you know, enjoyable books of art. So I don't even, you know, uh, we can talk about this, this other team of X-Men at the end, but even, even with that, if you like it or if you don't, the artwork throughout both of these books, it's, it, you can't ignore it. It's, it's such a, uh, you know, especially comparing it to gold, this is like a, a godsend, a uh, breath <laughs> of fresh air. I, I enjoyed both of these books so much just for the artwork. Yeah, I do love the panel of Emma Frost drinking tea. Um, <laughs> yes. And I love that, that the picture where they have, uh, you know, they're in the nexuses of all timelines, and you've got the old X-Men, and Bobby's dressed up like a, a snowman. <laughs> yes, it's pretty cool. So I, my question about this other team of future X-Men is, I thought in Battle of the Atoms, several of them died or had got injured. Uh, like old man Deadpool was supposed to be dead. I think Zorn was killed or, or captured. And Charles Xavier II was paralyzed. So I don't know exactly what's what's happened here. Did I, they just retcon that? I don't remember, but, you know, time travel. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I don't know. That's, that's a fair point, and I don't. I'd have to go back and reread it. Um, I don't. I don't think it. When I don't think it matters anymore. I don't think anyone's giving it. I don't think they care too much about because it's time travel. So they could just go back in time and pick him out of the timeline before he gets paralyzed or whatever. I. Okay. I was gonna say in general, and I don't. I'm not trying to be a continuity whore. So please, please hear that, listeners. Um, I just feel like. From book to book and from kinds of books to kinds of books, it's impossible right now to put any Marvel books in any kind of timeline with each other. I feel like characters just kind of pop in and out of stuff, don't really feel like they did in the same book that are in that month in another place, you know? I think editorially there's just... Marvel's just really messy right now. And... I don't feel like you have to be married to, like, a strict... Like, you need to know exactly where Armadillo appeared last before you use him again. But at the same time, like, there needs to be some care given to that. And I don't really know that that's very high on Marvel's priority list right now. They just want people to, to, to quote-unquote, be able to tell their stories, which I agree with. But, you know, especially reading, like, 60s and 80s stuff... Like, that stuff was really, like, clamped down. <laughs> like, yes. Like, well, I suppose if you're thinking, if you think, like, these future X-Men, some of them are dead or... I, I think that maybe you should adhere to that. <laughs> if right. you know what I mean? But, like, if if they're wearing a beret one time in oh, one right, book and they're not right. in the other... Yeah. It's, it's not that. bad. It's more like we've got four different, like, crazy time travel cosmic stories going on and Gene is... Out- She's here and she's not there, and this character's alive and not alive. There's a lot of, I mean, I it's oh, yeah. very messy. This is why I only read certain books that do uh, <laughs> Right. <laughs> I try and stay away from everyone else. So I have a, I have a question here. They brought in Jimmy Hudson. I I want to say issue like four or five, and we're basically at issue twenty now. And do you feel like he's being serviced? Is there a reason for him to be on this team at all? Just claws. Yeah, they just need some claws from time to time. I feel Blitz, Blitzstorm has had more. Oh, definitely. Right, yeah. yeah, definitely. 
Maybe they were told to have him on. You know what I mean? Just to like yeah. solve. Well, I mean, we've had the hints, right? That uh, I don't know what's going on. You know, kind of the, the lost past thing that his father had. I don't know if Bun intends to get to that later. Um, if he'll have time to. You know, I don't. I I kind of feel like we're we're running out of time on this team. Maybe I don't know about this uh-huh. book necessarily, but I don't know how uh, inhabitable the Marvel Universe in the next couple of years is going to be for these guys. Um, so I don't know. I guess we'll see what happens. But. Yeah, because it, it needs to sink, because it, it's clearly not sink, because this, has this happened after the Phoenix has returned? I, I don't know. Um, yeah. Oh. Don't think about it. Yeah, you get a headache. I'm having a nosebleed right now. Yeah, you know they don't they don't know what brain what causes brain aneurysms. Just at some point it's in time, a blood vessel pops yeah. in your brain. Yeah, and it's it's when you think about continuity too long that your brain just explodes <laughs> under the strain. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I wouldn't mind if the final part of this is them returning home. I'm okay with that too, but I I think we I, you know have some solicitations at least to like 25 or so, I believe. So okay. I don't know. We'll see. Well, if they keep this art team, I'm all for it. Yeah. Yep, me too. So, all right. Well, what, for the sake of uh, time, when do you guys want to grade X-Men Blues 18 and 19? I'm going to get... I'm going to You know, I might actually give both of these fives. I, I think maybe the artwork has, has bowled me over a lot. Is this like I... plus one Dan Day? <laughs> <laughs> I went. I went minus one on all the gold stuff. <laughs> um, I'm right. I'm right on that that wall between a four and a five. Um, just to make just to make Dan feel like he has a friend, I'll go four on both of these as well. But I I can make I, one four, one five. There you then. go. And, and listeners can decide which one is which. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I really think it's, I mean, if we gave half claws, I'd probably give both of these four and a half. So yeah, I could see that. It's, yeah. it's right in the middle. Um, a lot due to the art, but I also feel like, I, I, I do really, truly feel like Bun's getting a little more of a handle on what mm-hmm. stories he wants to tell in this book again. Right. Kind of like when the book first started. And so I'm hoping that that is where we're going. Um, I'm, I'm trying to have faith in a writer that, that I sometimes like a lot. And so hopefully he'll deliver. Cool. All right. Well, we have two books left. Um, Iceman number nine, The Apocalypse Seed, part one. All right. So Iceman number nine, Apocalypse Seed, part one. Uh, writer, Cena Grace, Penster, Robert Gill, Inkers, Robert Gill, and Ed Tadeo. Uh, colorist, Rachel Rosenberg. And letterer, VCs, Joe Sabino. Uh, and the cover is, again, by Kevin Wada. Uh, in the cover, we have uh, another, you know, Kevin Wada colored pencil dish kind of uh, a cover here of Iceman being stabbed uh, from behind through the chest by Dokken. Um What do you guys think in the cover? Very suggestive. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. I, I like it. But then I have a soft spot for Wada's artwork. So. I've, I've been liking these covers. This is not my favorite. Uh, oh, no. Docking looks kind of odd to me. Um, and I don't know. The, the claws look good, I guess. So, 
Uh, what do you think, Georgie? You know, I'm not really a Wada fan. It's it's fine. It's serviceable for me. It's just not. It just doesn't excite me. So, uh, jumping to the story, um, Iceman is having a farewell party uh, because, despite in gold that the X Mansion was blown up by the crashing of a starship, uh, the X Mansion is still intact, and um, he's brought his boyfriend in for the party. Um, at the same time, we have uh, this girl that he rescued and another student at the uh, Goodwill store trying to pick up some clothing um, for the party, and, and they want to look fashionable. Um, and while at the party, everyone's talking and having a good time, um, and then surprise, surprise, um, one of the characters that Iceman had rescued who could amp up and amp down uh, people's powers has showed up. Um, and he tells all the young X-Men characters they need to go to the danger room for a surprise for Iceman. Um, and at the same time, uh, Kitty, you know, gets upset with Iceman because she's just always a, a bitchy character now. And um, she gets an alert that there's there's something happening on the ground, so she tells everyone to go to the bars. We've got to handle the situation. Uh, Iceman... Uh, is walking with his boyfriend and says, hey, look, I want to have one more, you know, uh, adventure as Iceman, so why don't you hide in my room and I'm going to help everyone take out these minor bad guys. Um, when uh, Amp uh, sets a program on for the um, the danger room and all the youngins have to fight in Savage Land, uh, Dokken shows up and threatens Iceman. Um, then he stabs Iceman's boyfriend in the back. Um, the X-Men realize that everyone they're fighting uh, on the grounds is a decoy. Um, they, Dokken gets Amp to uh, open up his death seed and he changes into almost like a demon looking creature. Um, actually, this is where he stabs Iceman's boyfriend. Iceman and Dokken fight for a little bit. Um, and basically end of the book. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I wasn't really feeling this issue a whole lot. I felt like the artwork took a, a step downward uh, here. This has been a visually gorgeous book up until this issue for me, and I, I, I had trouble char telling characters apart. I, I didn't like... I didn't really enjoy a lot of the story here either. This was a this was a sad departure for me. What did you guys think? I so I enjoyed like the party part, like all of kind of Iceman talking with his boyfriend. Um, you know, it took me a minute to figure out. Well, wait a second, I thought last issue like his boyfriend pretty much showed up with the boombox saying you don't have to move, and then and then we're having a going away party, and then yeah. they kind of talk about that through the party. <laughs> But, um, yeah, and then Dawkins showing up, uh, the part that I thought was really interesting was because he has, you know, that kind of that pheromone power. And so the part where he kind of tries to make out with Iceman's boyfriend and Iceman's boyfriend even is like, oh, there's a certain kind of like magnetism here. And you know, it's uh -huh. not real. You know, it's just his mutant power. Um, and this is this is another kind of nitpicky thing. I just I, I'm having trouble figuring out because I've been enjoying Dawkins and All New Wolverine so much, but this doesn't really mesh 
what's going on over there. And that's not a good or a bad thing. It's just like, well, you know, is is the apocalypse scene, is like that still like way down in there? Or I thought we kind of got rid of that. I don't know. Um, but yeah, the art seemed a little bit maybe lesser. I did think the one where he first transformed and we get the full page of Dawkins. My Destiny docking was, I thought that was a pretty good page. Um, so I, I still enjoyed it, but it's, we're not, we're not probably talking like the, the, the flirting with the six out of six I normally get this book. What about you, Mr. Dan? Yeah, I think it was all right until, um, Dakin showed up. Like, I don't know. I just didn't, I don't know. Like, is his boyfriend dead? Or has he just been stabbed? <laughs> I am. It's not. It's not really clear if he. If he, because I, I know they they meta joked the whole fridging, um, when he stabbed him. Oh right. And I was just like, I was just like, is it fair enough? I'm kind of with you, Jason. It's not. It wasn't like offensive. It just kind of just was there. I don't know yeah, if it's, it's because you know it's ending. And like you feel like, oh, are we rushing to the to the to the sort of show showdown that they're supposed to have. Um, yeah, I feel like that's definitely part of it. He he knew that the the book was going to end, so he had to steer it towards towards an ending. But and maybe that's why the artwork is off. Maybe they had planned or it started to do other pages, and then they had to uh, make a change. So that's maybe it was rushed, and that's why the artwork feels like a, a grade lower than it has been. But it. You know, I had I had high hopes for this book every time because it's been so amazing, and maybe that's why it's it's such a letdown for me when this is more of a just an average book. It's not terrible by any means, but it you know, when you've, you've we've had the embarrassment of riches of the past eight issues, and then this comes in, you feel like you've been you've been let down. Um, so that was that was you know it was disappointing for me. Um, I thought the the dialogue was great. I mean. Uh, Grace has always been a great writer for the dialogue, but so much of this art felt just serviceable. And everyone at the party, I couldn't tell anyone apart. It looked like just a random like nobody's crowd. Yeah, yeah, just random crowd. So I was I was sad after reading this a little bit. All right. Well, how how far down are we gonna go? What's uh, when we gonna grade Iceman number nine? Um, it's hard. Um, I'm going to give it a high three, I think. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to give it a three. It was fine. Um, yeah, it was fine. Okay. Um, maybe I'm still just infatuated with the book overall. I'm going to go a little bit higher and give it a four, four out of six. Definitely not. I mean, we've been, we've all been pretty consistently fives and sixes. So it's definitely a, a step down, but, you know, I'm still willing to give it a four. So. All right. Well, I know, Georgie, you're running out of time. Um, so I'm going to talk about just real briefly Rogue and Gambit, number one, Ring of Fire, part one, um, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Pere Perez. Colors by Frank Diamarda, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna, and the cover by Chris Anka. On this cover, we have a great-looking gambit and a very strange-looking rogue. 
<laughs> I love it. I love this this cover. Uh, yeah, the perspective. I quite like it. almost like a fish lens perspective. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I, I like the, I like the white background. It sells it. Yeah, the white background's great, Jason. Yeah. And I love I love the way Gambit looks. I think I think to me is yeah, it is it's all the perspective on Rogue. Like her boobs almost look like a fat guy's belly instead. Um <laughs> it's hard to it's kinda hard to, to tell what's going on. But nonetheless, Anka I, I love his art, so I'm not gonna bitch about too much. Um And there's so much emotion on that cover for me. Uh, yeah. that's that's what gets me more than anything. Right, right. You have Gambit like full of glee, like kinda of, almost kind of reflects what you're gonna see in the book, right? You have Gambit like right. so excited about this possible reunion and rogues and I'm like, uh <laughs> like not really happy, not really sad, just kinda uh. <laughs> But um Yeah, so so real quick the gist of this guys is that Kitty doesn't want to send her and Colossus, so she sends Rogue and Gambit to this kind of uh, couples retreat for mutants, but where couples have been disappearing. And um, you know, as far as the plot, that's pretty much it. Uh, Rogue reluctantly agrees. Gambit's excited. Lots of really fun dialogue, I thought. Yes. Um, yes. Man, give 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 Kelly Thompson an X book when this is done. For real, yeah, man. Like this, this was so so charming to me, uh, and you know, it definitely had the lighter tone of like her Hawkeye book, but it didn't feel like it didn't make her feel like a one trick pony at all. Like it's definitely similar, but it also felt very X Men-y to me. Um, so yeah, uh, what did you guys what did you guys think of this? I mean, you hit the nail on, on the head there. I mean, the dialogue is outstanding here. I love the, the back and forth that the, the girl uh, X-Men have in the danger room, especially after the fight's over and they want to get the, the dirt on the relationship uh, <laughs> of Gambit and Rogue from the past. Um, the interaction between Rogue and Gambit feels so true to the characters and so fun. The artwork is, is, is bright and colorful and it really it matches the story. I was like, uh, I was kind of blown away because I was not looking forward to this book, to be honest. But I think they kind of hit it out of the park here. I yeah, I I loved it, and I, I agree with you. I think the art, and I'm not familiar with Pere Perez, but I thought the art was astounding. Um, a lot of talking, right, which can be hard to draw sometimes, but just his faces are fantastic when Rogue's yelling in Kitty's office when she gets mad and flies through the this, the middle of that sentinel like her just angry face <laughs> like uh -oh. it's just I don't know just uh, Perez really did a great job on on the emotion part of this book in the art and I thought that was really good for sure I especially love the, the last page where they're, they're captured and you see like that rage on Rogue's face like I told you this was going to happen right <laughs> I even, I even, at first it kind of bugged me, but I don't even mind kind of the throwback to like the first X-Men movie on her wardrobe with like the, the arm and leg stockings. Right, so. right, right. Well, Dan, what did you think? Um, yeah, I'm with you. I was kind of, I looked at it and I, I thought to myself, 
Is it going to just be nostalgia for nostalgia's sake? Is this going to be another Guggenheim? But thank God it was not. Because my favourite thing about it is that Rogue doesn't want to really go back. Right. And like you said, it, it feels true to who they are now. Like, she's an Avenger more so than an X-Men these days. Right. And I, I quite I thought it was quite fun. Very fun. interesting point where... where... Gamma even brings up, hey, you're the one who was fighting, you know, uh, Sentinels from the past. You must want a taste from the past. And she's like, not necessarily from the past. I want something simpler, which I can totally feel. The more I get older, nostalgia can feel like I want what I had before, but it can also feel like I just want things to be simple again. And (laughs) it's an interesting distinction between the two. Yeah. All right. Um... I'm going to dare say this is my favorite book of the week. So, there you go. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, it's, it's easily. <laughs> <laughs> the, com- the competition um, was not stellar. Yeah. And I'm with you, Gam- uh, Gambit. I was called you Gambit. I'm with you, Georgie. Um, I, I knew that I really liked Thompson's Hawkeye book. So I I was looking forward to it from that regard, but there was nothing about Rogue and Gambit reunion that really screamed exciting to me. And so I kind of came in with kind of halfway optimistic, halfway kind of meh, and it just, it really just blew me out of the water, um, of, of the clean paradise water of the resort. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so what would you rate it, Jason? You know what? I'm... You guys call me crazy if you want. I I love this book a lot. I'm gonna give it six out of six claws. I, I I'm not gonna go quite that high, but I'm gonna give it a five. An easy easy five. All right. What about you, Mister Dan? Um. Yeah, five five seems reasonable enough. All right. Well, so I want to bring up that I know, uh, especially recently, uh, we've been sort of down on a lot of these books and. You know, last night I read all of these uh, in a row, wow. and I was not—I was not looking forward to it. But, <laughs> but afterward, I was actually kind of pleased with uh, some of the quality. I mean, Gold was 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 rough, and Weapon X is rough. But aside from that, we had a pretty good run of books here. Yeah, not too bad. Everything mostly consistently decent. Um, you know, hopefully, astonishing and keep amazing artists so that that book can stay. <laughs> Stay yeah, out, that's but, the um, reason. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, you know, and it, it gives me some hope for a little bit of the future of, of the X Men that maybe we can get some of these different writers doing some different things. You know, give, give Rosenberg a foothold in the universe. Let Thompson do some more stuff. Um, uh-huh. You know, change the tone away from, you know, Gold and Blue being the flagships, and you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it goes. You know, we have. Uh, Taylor coming on with Red, which I'm super stoked about. So I, I'm I'm optim I'm cautiously optimistic that maybe the the X Men corner of the universe is is turning around a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay. If you look at it, you know, just just to belabor the point, but you know, Gold is bad, Weapon X is bad, but Phoenix Resurrection, uh, there's I think we all had you know average to to good for that. Blue got great grades. Yeah. Astonishing was average to, to good. Iceland was a little bit of a dip, but a dip of like great to above average. Right. Gambit <laughs> was excellent. So it's like it's kind of hard to argue uh, about what we had to read this time. Yeah. Yeah. If we can just get gold and weapon, or 
This is what we can do. We get Rosenberg on gold, whether it stays that name or not. But, you know, that kind of the other team book, right, after his New Mutant miniseries is over. And uh, we cancel Weapon X and get rid of it. (laughs) (laughs) And then find something for Thompson to do, whether she can just rotate between different minis, maybe, or I don't don't know. I don't know where, where she maybe would land, but I'd like to see her write more X characters. I think... I think the personal touch of that that story and kind of delving into some of the melodrama could really suit her writing style. Definitely. Right. Any, any thoughts, Dan? Sorry, I think we kind of rampaged um, over. I wouldn't mind jettisoning the entire current roster of team book writers and just replacing them with anyone else. Um <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Kelly. Uh, screw it. Give give Kelly Ke- Kelly Thompson the the reins of the flagship, and we'll see a completely different type of X Men book. I think. Yeah. 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 Because they're so scared of giving someone like her. Well, they're so scared of giving anyone. Uh, give Cinder Grace the X book. Yeah. The two concert they, they seem to just give it to the sort of safe, what I would consider safe hands. Give it to the people who might feel a little persecuted in life for once, and see what you know that makes. Definitely. But we'll see. Yeah, we we will see. Awesome. Well, um, I know we need to wrap up, so I just want to thank you guys so much for for coming back on. I'm glad we were able to get all three of us again. Um, just a lot Thank of you. fun. Really enjoyed the episode. So yeah, it's a lot more fun when we have good things to talk about. Yes, it is. <laughs> awesome. Well, Georgie, why don't you give people your Twitter handle and such? All right. Well, you can reach me at uh, LA Boy Toy on Twitter. Um, and I've been recently, as I mentioned, playing a lot of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and I've I've watching Blade Runner twenty forty nine again, nice. which is still amazing. Um, Very good. Yep. I still have to watch that. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Dan. Well, where can people find you now? Um, You can still find me at Gizmo151183. Alas, Intercomics has set sail into the sun. Um, like, Not like a phoenix, because that means it would return. Um, like a good western. So, <laughs> get, a, like, get a nice Viking funeral. Yes, yeah, like yeah. a nice Viking funeral. And, but I'm sure you'll see us see us again in some other podcasts probably yeah. here oh, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Um, <laughs> and, and listeners please go go listen to the last episode they really inner comics podcast went out with a nice shebang and it was a lot of fun so Hi. awesome well as usual for the podcast that goes snick you can like the facebook page i'm uh on twitter at snickcast and um yeah, oh, and website, if you care, is uh, snickcast.podbean.com. Um, basically, just a list out all the episodes, but, you know, some people like it. So, um, yeah, that's going to do it. Um, we will reconvene in a couple of weeks, and hopefully not as long, not have as many books, but um, we'll see what we get. Awesome. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again just so very much. A lot of fun. Thank you. Definitely. All right. Well, until next time, hugs and snicks, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And snack. Snack, snack, snack.